No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. All right, Michael, welcome to the Word Bros Podcast. How are you, Fred? I'm doing okay. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, Kickstarter time, so I'm a little frazzled, you know, Now the it, end of it. Uh, yeah, because you have only a couple days left, but, I mean, this thing is a runaway train of success and awesomeness, right? Like, how can it not be? I mean, we're doing okay. I, you know, this is the shortest campaign I've ever run, and I've never run a campaign without having shows to support it. Mm-hmm. So... Like that's, I don't know. It's nerve wracking. Um, we're ahead of where we were for the last one for the volume one of Tales from the Road. So I feel okay about it. Um, but you know, it's never enough. It's just, it's, and it's not even the money. It's just, you know, you want people to read your stuff and yeah. backers and whatnot. So that's the, the big, the big thing. So. Well, uh, let's tell everyone what we're talking about here. This is Headlocks Tales from the Road, Volume 2. It's live on Kickstarter right now as we speak. You have about three or four days left to get involved in that thing. And this is uh, all about the professional wrestling, correct? Uh, it is indeed. Um, it's, uh, it's an anthology series of short stories that I co-created with a bunch of famous wrestlers. That's so, famous wrestlers, not just wrestlers, guys. There's, uh, famous wrestlers. Yeah, so you know we're in on this. There's 12 stories in it. Uh, there's 14 wrestlers involved, two tag teams. Um, and uh, yeah, we've, uh, we tell stories in all different kinds of genres. I mean, it's not, uh, they're not, uh, you know, real life. We don't use anybody's names and trademarks or any of that. You know, it's all sort of takes place in the headlock universe, which is my main, you know, the, the book that sort of launched all of this, um, which is a, a comic book series about a kid working his way through the wrestling business. So, you know, we tell these stories, um, you know, we build out different corners of the universe. Um, some of them are things that, you know, we might be able to examine characters from Headlocked and their backstory, but they're all standalone. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's the most fun I have making comics. That's wonderful. Yeah. Now, now tell us about the Headlocked universe, because you mentioned that. And I, I, I might be mistaken, but I believe I recently heard you on a podcast um, the I think it was like the super awesome gentleman show or whatever talking about the benefits of being self-published that was you correct uh, I probably I mean um, I, it, it was the episode that launched that went out around the action lab when all the action lab shit hit oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was you I can't the name of the podcast escapes me but it was a really interesting interview yeah Anthony uh, Anthony Kingdom James it's his uh, his podcast he's actually got a Kickstarter run for a really cool book called No Chance for Survival. Look at you! Um, pl- you look at you plugging everybody. Look, that's right a, he's doing the promo, right? Yeah. He's uh, actually so he's an ex wrestler, um, ah. and uh, he's uh, he's from he's uh, from Canada, as it were. Yes, and, yes. Uh, he uh, he's he's one of the like I don't know, he's such an entertaining guy, and like some of his like his old promo stuff is. I mean, he was a, he was a heat magnet. So, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he does some cool stuff. Actually, he's got a he's got a tier in his Kickstarter that you can pledge and he'll cut a promo on you. So no, that's fine. Oh, oh nice. That's fine. Uh, um, so yeah, so tell yeah. us about the Headlock universe for those people that might not know anything about it. So I've been a, a wrestling and comic book fan my whole life. And uh, you know, when I started, you know, reading wrestling comics back in the day, like to my mind anyway, 
I never really dug them. Like it wasn't to me, there weren't things that treated wrestling with respect for the longest time. Like when you would see wrestling products that weren't like wrestling, they would always be sort of like it, the, the example I always use is when, when SmackDown was on UPN and they wanted to make a show to hold that audience and they made the mullets and the, the protagonists are dipshit wrestling fans. Yeah. I mean, you're literally insulting your audience and that yeah, was yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, like even ready to rumble, you know what I mean? Like these guys are idiots. You know what I mean? Like it's, there was such a level of derision in anything that was made about wrestling, you know, and that always bothered me. So, you know, I, I, always thought there was a market for a book like this and uh you know i took it out and you know i took it to everybody nobody nobody wanted anything to do with it people laughed at me uh who said do, do wrestling fans even read uh Dang. You know, wrestling comics don't sell uh yeah. you know no one will ever read this i mean like, literally a shop in my town like the guy told me no one would ever read it as his clerk bought one out of my bag from me <laughs> but still still would not put it on his shelf so like, I mean, that's the sort of, you know, back in, the, it's different now, but back in the day, I mean, there was a hard bubble towards, you know, against wrestling in comics, at least with the publishers and conventions and stuff. I mean, we were, I mean, we we're probably the first wrestling thing at like more than a dozen shows that had like wrestler bands. So I used to sort of sneak my way in with Jerry because Jerry Lawler does the covers to my books and uh, you know, I'd get him in as an artist alley guest. That's you know, we awesome. Blow the, we blow the doors off the place and then they then now they book wrestling. So oh, yeah. it's it's uh you know, so I had to sort of combat that and so whatever. So people, you know, eventually just got to the point where I had to make it myself. And um, you know, I started out, I worked a job, uh two jobs for a year to pay for my art, to pay for printing, to pay for uh some convention tables, and then I just, you know. Went out and started slinging it. I sold it out of my backpack at Ring of Honor shows, you know, back message board days. I'd be like, yo, I'm going to be in this seat if somebody wants to come buy some books and people would come, you know, give me three bucks and I give them a comic and whatnot. And then uh, it just kind of went from there, you know, wrestlers, wrestlers who liked wrestling that were comic fans that would be at Comic Cons would buy the book from me. You know, they'd be there as a fan, not as a guest. Yeah. Or, and, uh, you know, they'd buy the books from me and then be like, yo, I really like this. And, so it all kind of spiraled out of there. And then once Kickstarter became a thing, like that's when we were able to really kind of take off and, uh, you know, and, and since then it's been, uh, it's been great. Um, so, so what you're saying, Mike, is that making wrestling comics is a lot like making regular comics. Cause you said people laughed at you, no shop owners would carry your stuff. So it's just like, it's like it, the worst of the both worlds, like combined, like the both the worst of indie wrestling and the worst of indie comics come together when you make a wrestling comic and then you're like heckled by both sides. It's uh, well, it's funny because I've never been heckled. I've never been heckled by wrestling. I mean, and obviously, okay. like, I've had, uh, you know, I've had one foot in the business in both businesses. I mean, wrestling, wrestlers, wrestling, everybody has been so great to me. So, uh, so nice, supportive. Um, you know, there are people have worn my shirts to the ring, um, you know, on indie shows and stuff. And uh, it's, uh, you know, and, and now I'm collaborating with them on comic book stories. You know, it started out as a way to sort of, give people something extra for a Kickstarter to get them to support the Kickstarter instead of, you know, just waiting till the convention to pick a book up. Yeah. And uh, so we were doing like these bonus stories and it started with the guys that were like the OG supporters, like hurricane and Rob Van Dam and Christopher Daniels. And then, you know, now I've done stories with probably 40 different guys. Um, I just literally talked to, you know, five televised wrestlers tonight that want to do stuff. Um, That's awesome. You know, like people, 
people hit me up. I had a wrestler uh, from the UK hit me up yesterday about doing some art for the book. So um, it's really neat to, you know, like I just want to make a cool wrestling comic. And it's one of those things, and this is something I covered on the podcast, is, you know, sometimes you think you want something and you don't necessarily know what you're asking for. You know, if somebody had mm-hmm. picked up Headlock in 2008, 2009, whatever, it would have been in stores and it would have been gone. You know, maybe yeah. it's 10 issues, 12 issues, whatever. It's just, it's gone. But because they didn't, because I had to build it myself, I built something that was more sustainable and something that's lasted a lot longer than, you know, any other wrestling comics. So it's, uh, you know, in a way, I guess the sort of the crap I took at the beginning forced me to, you know, make it a, a stronger property yeah. and mm-hmm. make it last longer. So. so. So essentially you're the Kevin Costner of wrestling comics. Like you built it and they came. <laughs> <laughs> I see, but it's not that they came. It's just that the trick is, and this is the thing is, just, you know, I was tell I, I do a lot of panels about for people to break into comics and stuff. And you know, say it's, <laughs> It's never been easier to make a comic book than it is right now, but it's never been harder to get people to look at it because there's mm-hmm. just so much, there's so much content out there. And obviously comics cost a certain amount of money to make versus, you know, I mean, the young bucks can make being the elite on their phone for free. Yeah. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so you've got to compete, you've got to, you know, you've got to tell compelling enough stuff to, to get people to, to read your stuff, to consider, to, to even just consider your stuff. I mean, that's a battle that I fight all the time. And sometimes it's just a war of attrition, but probably mm-hmm. once, once a week, once every other week, I'll get an email from somebody that says, you know, Hey, I, I've seen your books forever. I've, you know, I come to your booth. I, I meet the wrestlers at your booth, but I've never really could, you know, looked at your book. And then I just picked it up and I'm so sorry. I waited so long. You know, I love it. I'm in, you know, whatever. So sometimes it's just a war of attrition and just being there and, you know, showing people that you're going to be around, but, uh, yeah, we've been really, uh, we've been really, really lucky. That's awesome. Um, and so this Kickstarter you're running right now is a volume two, and you're working with some of the biggest names in the industry here. I'm looking at uh, John Johnny Mundo, as I like to call him from his time in uh, Lucha Underground. Uh, it looks like Jeff Cobb, Pento Zero Miedo. I mean, Thunder Rosa, AJ Styles, Rob Van Dam, Dan Housen. I mean, you've got some. I mean, if this was a wrestling card, you'd have a pretty damn good show right here with all these people, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, like I said, man, I, I know a lot of these guys just from because I've been doing it for so long. I mean, most of the guys that are in, on TV now were coming up on the indies when I was, you know, out slinging headlocked. And, yeah. you know, now it's just to the point where, you know, you know, I, I knew Cardona and Myers because they were always at cons doing their toy stuff. And, uh, you know, AJ... I met through, uh, you know, just from, from knowing Joe and Daniels and those guys, like when he got, you know, when he, when he left TNA and started doing Indies more, like I was able to connect with him and, you know, I just, uh, AJ and I also did a story for the WWE comic for boom. We did a collaboration. Was it about the, uh, was it about the rumble special? Was it about the flat earth? I was going to ask the same question. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, it's funny because uh, it's funny because AJ's <laughs> online rep or whatever people think of him is definitely not uh, not uh, it's it's just interesting to know people personally versus yeah, I know, I know. to know what they're you know AJ like, Styles you know, but I mean for my money he's he's probably the best worker right now in and WWE by far and he's one of the best wrestlers in the world 
that I, world that, about that world just happens to be flat. <laughs> he succeeded at every level. You yeah, I mean, there's different people who succeed in different except you know, science. Like, Different, different <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I can't, I can't support this AJ Styles slander. Oh man! I, no, the thing is, dude. Like, I know what you're. AJ Styles has succeeded on We're, every plane that he's been on. He was, he was great in TNA when nobody gave a fuck about TNA. He was great in the Indies when nobody gave a fuck about that stuff. He went to Japan and was like their biggest star. Like he was right, and it's all different stuff, though. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. To be able to, you know what I mean? Like there's certain people that, that, that can succeed at a certain level, but that not everybody can succeed at the WWE level because yeah. it's so much more promo and character based. And honestly, I mean, it's, I, you know, I'm a friend, for, friend for a long time and I had my doubts. Yeah. And I mean, for him to me, I consider him to be one of John Cena's best opponents. Like, oh yeah, they had incredible chemistry. And I mean, I never would have guessed that in a million years. You know what I mean? Like I never would have any, I mean, but he's always, he's always done... <sighs> He's always understood the assignment. You know what I mean? Some people don't. And think about in WWE with just boots and tights trying to get over, you know, strikes and stuff. And yeah, it's a character company. You know what I mean? And he, he turned himself, you know what I mean? He, he evolved himself enough to, to succeed in that environment. And that's not something that everybody can do. I think Japan helped a lot with that. I think he really, mm-hmm. when he went over to the, when he left TNA, went to the Indies, went to Japan, I think he did a really great job, like coming out of his shell. Cause for so long, his characters in TNA were just like, I'm a homegrown guy. Yeehaw, root for me. Cause I'm AJ Styles. But I think he was able to kind of build on that character in, in new Japan. And his new Japan stuff is fucking tremendous. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he I can mean, make not, uh, he can make anybody look good too. That's the best part about him. And he's not he's not selfish. Like he definitely he'll put people over. He's not yeah. afraid to put people over. He's not a politician. Like you know, probably the the best compliment I think that anybody's ever given me, wrestling wise, was I remember we were uh, we were at Denny's one time, and uh, he had asked me. He's like, man, I tell you, you know, if I could, he goes, I wish I could get you to get you in the company and make you like my Brian Gewertz and just write all my stuff for me. Oh, and, that's uh, cool. That's awesome. Like I consider that like, you know, like a super high compliment Yeah, for coming from a guy like that, you know? So, um, but yeah, it's uh, like I said, man, rest, the, the wrestling business is, is taking care of me. Like even the guys that you would think are like the carniest of the carny have always been absolute sweethearts to me. And uh, you know, I'm just super grateful because, you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, you, you, you love you love something and then you kind of get deep into it and a lot of times that can be uh can be disappointing and uh <laughs> yeah. it's been really it's been really cool to you know to meet your heroes and find out that uh you know they're looking after you that's cool now awesome. and at what age uh, and who got you into professional wrestling as a, as a kid <laughs> George the Animal Steel, baby. All right, all right. Oh, wow. Well, you're first, turnbuckles. All right, all right. First Saturday's first Saturday night's main event. Um, it was uh Rotundo, Wyndham, and Steamboat against Sheik Volkoff and George the Animal Steel. And I was a kid and I'm just flipping the channels and uh and then I was like, What is this? I'd never seen anything like it. You know, what I mean? he was right mm-hmm. in the middle of doing his turnbuckle shtick and you know, so whatever. I mean he's he's covered in hair and he's got this big roll of fat on his neck and he's bald, and as it turns out that I didn't realize I was looking into my future, but whatever. You know? <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he, uh, you know, I'd never seen anything like it. And then, so like I watched the rest of that show and then the next day, like wrestling challenge was on, I think, you know, on Sundays and they're all American wrestling. And then I just, 
I watched it every day, probably in some form or another, every day of my life since. That's cool. Wow. And like, and, and so like George Animal Steel was your guy when you were a kid. Did he like stay your guy or did you gravitate towards somebody else or like how, how wrestling is kind of, I, I think the fun thing about professional wrestling is it's sort of contagious. Once you start watching a promo, like you'll, you'll gravitate towards one person, but then like your fandom spreads across like different sure. wrestlers, you know, did, what, where, where did that spread for happen for you with professional wrestling? It's funny because wrestling, my, my sort of fandom with wrestling and comics have both sort of taken the same turn, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it started, you know, George Animal Steel is kind of what got me in the door. He got me to mm -hmm. stop changing the channel. You know what I mean? Right. And I, it, it's funny because it, people always say like their grandparents got him into wrestling. I got my grandmother into wrestling. And her That's, brother <laughs> George Animal That's Steel. awesome. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, yeah, we almost got kicked out of the War Memorial one time because she, uh, she almost took Hillbilly Jim's hat from him. Like they just, they, they didn't have barricades up. Like they always have the barriers and just one show they didn't. And she just walked right up to the ring to see Hillbilly Jim. And like, he turned around and he almost gave her his hat. That's awesome. And then there's like, he turned around and was like, what? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so it started there. Um, and then I, you know, even as a kid, you kind of know, you know, what you feel like, you know, like I was into Hogan for a little bit and then you're like, man, a lot of these matches are the same. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. like Tito Santana was my guy for a long time. Oh, that's a like, good one. <laughs> he had fire. You know, I love the British Bulldogs because his matches were always awesome. You know, um, and then uh, you know, I just like I just loved wrestling. I didn't necessarily have a guy for a long time, and then, um, I I, I mean, I was super into like Mick Foley and uh, mm -hmm. you know Shawn Michaels for a stretch. Um, and then I'd say probably about 2004, I was super, super burnout on just think, WWE yeah. and the yeah. whole system. Yeah. And I was reading The Observer and I was reading about Ring of Honor and uh, the Punk and Raven feud. And it sounded so cool. And then it was right when Joe and Punk had their trilogy. And then I started watching Ring of Honor. And then that just like super fired me up again for wrestling. And that's what that's ultimately sort of the, the thing that really made me want to write Headlock was just, you know, I mean, you, that uh you could see what wrestling could be and it doesn't have to be this one thing in the same way the comics too you know like mm -hmm. so many people the comics are just like superhero stuff and you don't necessarily think about all the things that comics could be like whenever you ask somebody what a comic book movie is nobody says like oh yeah ghost world is my favorite comic book movie or you know road to perdition yeah or hellboy yeah nobody so, says that, yeah. like trying to get people out of you know, like to so many people, wrestling just means WWE and to so many people, comic books mean superheroes. So like that sort of aesthetic is, has pervaded both mediums. And so it's kind of cool when you find that thing that sort of pushes you and be like, oh man, this can be something else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was a ring of honor did for me in comics. It was, uh, it was concrete. Um, that's, uh, that did it for me. I think uh, my favorite thing is like, I love Paul Chadwick's everything that he's ever done. And I met him a couple times and he always seemed somewhat unnerved by the fact that like he you know like he could never kind of figure it out how concrete inspired a wrestling comic that's funny <laughs> but it's but, but i mean it's interesting you are right there are a lot of parallels between wrestling and comics where i believe dusty Rhodes said wrestling is best when it's a buffet there's something for everybody there's 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 comedy matches there's hard-hitting <laughs> matches there's storytelling matches and comics it's very much the same thing like you can kind of walk around a show and find you know your different takes on comics so they but are maybe very not in the store 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that was always sort of the problem is you go to the comic store and it's whatever, you know, when I wanted to, you know, when I, when I made my first book for Headlock, I, I took a, a week off from work and I went to every show, every store I could get to in three States. And, uh, you know, like I spent one day in Manhattan, like I started to tip and I just walked up to like 125th and talked to every shop owner. And, you know, I gave him a copy of the book and every person I talked to said they had multiple customers that they knew of multiple regular customers they knew of that were wrestling fans. And then they all proceeded to tell me why they wouldn't carry the book. And some of it's just, you know, we only carry top 50. We don't carry Indies, whatever, you know what I mean? So like, it just becomes a snake eating its tail in so many ways. And, uh, and that's the, you know, until you can find that thing that sort of jars you out of it. And, uh, and that was, uh, that was ring of honor in terms of wrestling. That was ring of honor for me. So, so are any of the stories in the headlocked universe or in this anthology based on actual real wrestling stories? Because I know part of the reason people love wrestling is the behind the scenes. So what is a cool story you can tell us about a wrestler that won't get anyone in trouble that, that is, that will endear people to that particular wrestler? Mm. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about stories for the book, um, in this particular issue, there's a story we did with John Morrison about a time that he auditioned for uh, he auditioned for a commercial to play a wrestler and the casting director had no idea what a wrestler was and so but he's the only wrestler at the show and uh he doesn't get the part like, <laughs> That's hilarious. you know what i mean like yeah and it's uh so and and we have a character in the main headlock book um who's mentoring our, our protagonist and he is he like flamed out of hollywood and now is sort of forced back into wrestling and so we sort of turned that story we adapted that story to fit that character to make that sort of the uh the inciting moment that gets him to decide that he's got to go back to wrestling because he's got no other choice. That's fine. Um, in volume one, there's a story we did with Mustafa Ali that was based off of a, a real life interaction he had with an indie promoter who wanted him to wear a bomb vest to the ring. Oh my God. Uh, oh, wow. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, you know, so some of them are, some of them are based off real stuff. Some of them are, uh, some of them are sort of influenced by their real life stuff. Like in this particular issue, Oh, we have a story with Thunder Rosa. Now I've known her since the beginning. Like she was at my San Diego comic-con booth, like the first year she was in Lucha underground and it always, like, and she wasn't there as Cobra moon. She was there as, as Thunder Rosa. And it's always amazed me how much little girls gravitate to her. You know what I mean? Cause, cause not a lot of female wrestlers do the, you know, do that sort of larger than life superhero thing. Yeah. She's got a great and, stick. Yeah. And yeah. like, so I would watch these little girls who didn't care anything about wrestling, but they wanted their picture with her. Yeah. And I was always like, man, that girl's going to be a star someday, you know? And like, we, we always stay in touch and she's, you know, so we had this opportunity to, to work on something. So, and I always knew she was an X-Men fan. And then she just recently started uh, mission pro, which is an all female company and the support staff as much as possible with the refs, the commentators and stuff. It's, it's an all female company, but if you're talking about the X-Men, then she's Magneto right so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean so we did a you know we sort of did a sort of an x-men riff that sort of plays into what she's doing and you know built a story around some of that and uh so that's how like a lot of the the stories come to be we find these uh you know we find like penta's story has elements of his real life sort of sprinkled throughout it and it's not a, the story itself didn't happen to him but we just, we built, we took, we built off of things that happened to him in his life 
um, the story that we did for Rob Van Dam with Rob Van Dam for this for this book is uh, is a you know like a '60s propaganda type story, like kind of a reefer madness vibe. That makes sense. Um, I mean, that's yeah. what Rob it's Van also Dam not, does. Yeah. It's also <laughs> not what you. It's also not what you'd expect. Yeah. Like when you read it, you'll get it's. So that wasn't even supposed to be in this book. Um, we were at Galaxy Con in July, I think, and just you know, Rob is Rob is like a day one supporter, and uh, he uh, we were just just we were in the green room just you know eating lunch and just talking shit and whatever and like it came up and i was like oh man i'm like this is going to the front of the line like i can't wait to do this and uh so i just i we, i actually bumped another story out of here so i could do it in this one um because i was just so excited to see it come to life that's um, cool so, so that's uh like that's been the the funnest part i guess is you know you're, you're creating stuff with people you respect you know as creators and then you know, having them sort of want to make stuff with you, like that's the the highest, the highest compliment. So with Penta story, was it hard because uh, Alex had to keep on translating for you? Like, what, did that make that any? <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the Penta story we made uh, pre uh, definitely pre, pre AEW, um, <laughs> and then the other thing that's cool about that is uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jay Gonzo. Um, yeah, Jay's awesome. Yeah, he did, the, he did he did the art for it. It's that's perfect. Cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, he. Uh, he just he hit the he hit the tone like it's and there's only there's only two uh there's only two two pieces of dialogue in the whole thing um, <laughs> and it's uh you know and it, and it works um we, and then we love Lamano. story we What's love the mono no, oh, yeah, yeah the, the Bestino, it's great like it, it yeah. like we i showed it to bobby at heroes one year and i was like look at this guy's book it looks like it looks like John Buscema drew a, a wrestling comic like and and it has all the 70s type colors in it and everything it's amazing and that's my favorite thing is when you find somebody like you just find somebody like the, I met him in San Diego years ago. And I was like, all right, I got to find something that we can do together. Cause yeah. this stuff isn't, this stuff is amazing. Like I love yeah. the aesthetic and like, I love to, you know, to find stuff that I want to work with, you know, people I want to work with or creators or whatever, and then build a story towards it. Um, you know, in a future volume, we did a story with Kenny Omega for an old uh, Kickstarter bonus or whatever. That's uh indie wrestling the video game and i got jared williams to do the art for that um he did uh super pro ko and he's you know mm -hmm. so it's got like an 8-bit style to it that's awesome um, you know what i mean so just you know i've been lucky to be able to to match good creators up and then doug doug hills does a good chunk of the tales from the road stories that we do for the pro wrestling crate and he's like a chameleon like his style is kind of the same but then he can alter it like we're doing a christmas story right now and he's altering his style for that the story we did last month was a, was a nightmare on Elm street based story. And, uh, you know, he knocked that out of the park. So it's, uh, it's fun. I've been really, I've been, I've, I've been really blessed to work with a lot of, uh, great artists. Well, that sounds awesome, man. And this thing is on, uh, it's on Kickstarter for about three or four more days. You can check that out. It looks like a lot of fun. You've got a lot of great artists on this thing. Tell us some of the people. It looks like our boy Tony Gregori is working on this thing too. Tell us some of the artists you got working. We've heard a lot about the yep. wrestlers, but tell us about some of the creative teams. So, uh, yeah, so Tony uh, Tony did the Jeff Cobb story. I love Jeff Cobb. A, uh, love Jeff Cobb. It's a uh, cat and mouse story about a... Uh, a promoter who's trying to stiff a uh, talent and the talent trying to get paid. And it's uh, this sort of cat and mouse battle between the two of them. Oh, pay it's window, a lot of fun. pay window, baby. Pay window. Uh, <laughs> Joe Hunter is doing, 
Effie story. And he's got a real uh, cartoony style. And Effie story is the first totally wordless story we've ever done. Um, and then uh, Jay Gonzo did Penta. And there's a guy named uh, Arias Tavares. He did some, uh, some work for Stray, I think, mm-hmm. before uh, when it first came out. And he's, oh, uh, he's cool. actually a trained wrestler. And he did Kazarian's story. And that's one of the other things I like to try to utilize as many professional wrestlers as possible to produce the art. So Doug, who does a lot of the Tales from the Road stories, trained as a wrestler, had a couple matches on the indies, like a real brief stint. And then the artist on Headlock, Mikel Molopola, is actually a, an active Samoan uh, wrestler in New Zealand. He's a Samoan dude. Oh, that's cool. And uh, wrestles in a mask. And then obviously Jerry Lawler does our covers. Um, I've had a ton of different wrestlers contribute pinups. Tony Atlas, Ken Anderson, Tugboat, um, Lee Moriarty did a pinup in the last Tales from the Really? Road. That's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> the, uh, who else? So many. Danny Havoc, who passed away last year. Um, Scott Lost, who was one of the original like PWG founders. Um, so many, so many different. Sin Bodhi, uh, Dexter Loomis did two different pieces for us. Um, so, it's always cool. That's the one thing that you find out, like, because nobody's really looking for wrestlers who do art. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, when wrestlers do do art, they generally seek me out. Like, I had a guy from from NXT UK hit me up last night. They were like, "Hey, this is something I've done." I was like, "Yo, all right, You're Walter, let's you do cover. it." So, <laughs> is it Walter? I would love it to be Walter. I don't know why, because I love Walter. And I love the. Uh, it's not Walter. But, I, know. Uh, I couldn't imagine I him. The, do, I can't imagine him doing anything else with his hands but chopping the shit out of people. <laughs> so, like Tony Atlas did a piece of art for us, and he works in pointillism, which is amazing to me that you have this big, enormous dude. Even now, he's still huge, hunched over a table, just doing little dots. Yeah, that's <laughs> really crazy. But uh, you know, so like, and 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 all headlock. The real heart of headlock has always been sort of about showcasing wrestling as an art form. So when we can use the actual wrestlers to contribute the art, it's just, you know, it's just jamming the jamming the theme home like yeah. even further. So well, that's awesome, man. It sounds like you got a great thing going here. You're keeping everybody happy. You're making a, a really great book about something that you're super passionate about. It's on Kickstarter right now. Michael, we really appreciate you being on, man. And um, yeah, dude, good luck. It doesn't seem like you need it because you've been doing this for a really, really long time. But I guess hopefully you could pick up some new readers from the Word Bros. That's and, all. And, yeah, that's all I want. Really, you know, I mean, everything the, we do is out of passion and stuff. And I just want people to read it and love it. And, you know, I just want to I want to make more stuff. Yeah, I have one last question. I'm before, trying to launch. One last question before you tell us our socials, so, so so people can find you and find and find this and follow it and and be behind it. Every time the Kickstarter funds, the first call to Jerry, Jerry Lawler. Do you ever say, "Oh my God, Kane! Oh my God!" Does that ever happen? <laughs> it does not. Oh, but it should. It does not. Okay, so, I, 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 that was my question. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so tell us your socials so people can follow this. And, and they can be like, oh, my God, Mike, what a great comic. <laughs> All of our stuff is a headlocked comic. It's one word, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. The, uh, the, you know, I got links to the Kickstarters and all our bios. There's links in, you know, obviously I'm obsessively promoting it for the next few days. So, um, you know, the links to it won't be hard to come by. And, uh, yeah, I just want, uh, I want people to check it out. I run everything. So if anybody's got questions, they're dealing with me and, uh, I also try to invite creators if they have questions about trying to, you know, get started that same sort of single step of making your own comic and 
getting it out into the world, that kind of stuff. Like I'm always around for, for people like that, just because I try to, I made every mistake possible and I'd like for people to be able to stand on my shoulders and make uh, even cooler shit than me. Well, there you go. There it is. Well, that's awesome, dude. Mike, thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. And good luck with the book and uh, congratulations. Thank yeah. you so much, man. It was great. It was great. Uh, I hope we can hang out at, uh, in Chicago. Yeah, dude. Oh, you'll, yeah, be at, you'll be at, uh, you'll be at C2E2? Yeah, yeah. I got, uh, I'll be there with Jerry Lawler, Matt Cardona, and uh, the, uh, the Inspiration. Nice. That's, that's awesome, dude. That's really yeah. cool. That's, that's we will cool. definitely have to hang out. Yeah, yeah dude. Let's do yeah, it for sure. All right, bro. Well, uh, thank you again for coming on, and we'll see you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. I, I wanted to hit record again because I, when I was listening to you on the podcast, the super awesome, uh, whatever podcast, handsome, was, handsome gentleman. That's it. The handsome gentleman's club, which I thought was really fun. You were talking about how the industry looks at self-published books, and as I was listening to you say this. I was like speaking to the podcast, like, yes, everything you're saying is absolutely correct. And how as an industry, can we change that perception? Well, it's, it's hard because I mean, it's a fan run industry and the retailers are generally fans too. You know what I mean? Like you don't need a journalism degree. You don't need, so, you know, everybody grew up as a fan in the bubble and then they sort of perpetuate that because that's what they like, or that's the, the job they're trying to backdoor their way into or whatever. And just getting people to see what the art form can be or what it is, or, you know what I mean? It's just words and pictures, words and pictures. It doesn't matter if, you, if, if it's digital, if it's, you know, print or whatever, that's all comics, man. Yeah, and yeah. if anybody tries to tell you different, you know, I see, mean, but, it, but it's so hard though, too, because when I was listening to you on the podcast, like indie comics, self-published comics are comics to us who have are doing them but to so many people apply to c2e2 and try to get in you know the first question of the first question they ask you on the what publishers have you worked for and if you they don't give a fuck so it's kind of one of those things where it's like it's it's this self-perpetuating kind of system that everyone is bought into because for some reason if you publish your own book then your book isn't the quality of something that's there's a gatekeeper it's less than it's less than the other book because oh well a publisher didn't pick this up and that's bullshit and that's where i was lucky because i started out selling my stuff at wrestling shows so you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like there's at, at wrestling show i'm the only guy with a comic so that helps. And then, you know what I mean? I got in the door in a lot of places because of Jerry, you know what I mean? It took me years to get into Emerald city and it wasn't really until Repop took it over. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even before the people that ran Emerald city before wanted nothing to do with me. Um, hmm. You know, so it's, it's interesting to me. I think there's always that tendency that I always find that tendency with comics, people to resent outside influences people will give me howard chaykin jumped into my facebook to bitch about me having wrestlers at my booth and uh and i was you know i was like no i just gave him shit back but i mean like you know i was like it's you know people it was cosplayers cosplayers are the enemy at first and you know now it's you know it's there's always somebody to blame for why your comic isn't selling yeah 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 Mm -hmm. but it's just you i would rather sell to 125,000 pop culture fans than 500 in people in a, in a holiday in ballroom. I mean, mm-hmm. and some people probably want to go back to that because they were the big fish in the small pond. But I mean, you know, I have a space in San Diego. I've had a booth in San Diego for 10 years and we always draw a crowd. And you, you know, the last San Diego Comic-Con I did, we had Jeannie Buss because she owns a, she owns the Lakers, but she also owns WOW, which is a women's wrestling organization. That's awesome. And you know what I mean? Like 
I, you know, we had, a, we had bigger lines than, than a lot of smaller, you know, a lot of the, the indie publishers and the smaller, you know, people with the, you know, the front of previews or whatever, I don't, you know, like we figure out a way to, to make our, you know, to make our stuff seen and that's what you have to do. But then you see these old, these old guys that just, you know, and I, I get it, you know, we don't necessarily revere the, the old guard, but I mean, I remember a, a very prominent comic book creator, older, older gentleman walked by our booth and he's like, Oh, I, I always love to see what the little people are doing. And I know he didn't mean it like he said it, but he said, but he it. said it exactly. Yeah. He, he said, said the it. little people. Yeah. And that's, you know, he said the quiet part out loud. You know what I mean? Like he meant, you know, the smaller publishers and stuff, but he said the little people. And I mean, we joke about that to this day, but that's the shit that fuels me. You know, when I first tried to, I, I went to a publisher, I mean, a, a big publisher, like a guy from a big publisher literally laughed in my face when I tried to pitch him headline, like just laughed. And, you know, that's the shit that, you know, I'm too spiteful to give up. And that's the shit that uh, <laughs> keeps me going. You know what I mean? No, like, I mean, yeah. we, I feel you on that one with Metal Shark, bro. We pitched it to a, a publisher who liked it, but then there was an, there was somebody who was like, well, how are we going to market this? How is this going to market? So we just fucking did it ourselves. And now we have a Ringo award. So it's like, cool. Right. Thanks. So cool. Thanks. Thanks that, for not taking our book and not believing yeah. in it. And I think that, it's for the best, honestly, yeah. just because I mean, obviously it costs more and it's more work, but nobody can sell your book better than you. Exactly. And <laughs> I'd rather not have, somebody selling my book that doesn't know what I'm doing or if it's like headlock does body slamming its way into stores, you know, like I don't want that shit. Like so <laughs> I mean it's there's so much of comics is so editorially editorially driven. And I get it, you know what I mean? It's a paycheck, but I mean ultimately, you know, I don't need somebody like with their hand on my ass working my mouth either. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I want to make the you know if I'm gonna kill myself to do this. I mean everybody in comics is killing themselves to make comics. Even the people that have you know good you know the plum jobs or whatever but like you know if i'm gonna kill myself i want to make the shit i want to make and i don't want to you know i don't want to just you know i don't want to do what somebody else is right what somebody else is telling me to write i feel you like half asset you don't want to half asset you want yeah, to just no, get 100 your thing yeah yeah because you could tell with old wrestling comics man that was the thing like you can tell when something's made out of money, made for money or something's made for love. And like, I would read those old wrestling comics and you know, half of those guys weren't wrestling fans. And you'd always feel that, like I said, that level of derision towards the, towards the product, but here they're like, Oh, we want your money, but we're shitting on you at the same time. Yeah. And like, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like it's so much, like I always bring up the example of Deadpool in the movies, you know, that Wolverine origins movie. I mean, Ryan Reynolds played Deadpool but obviously those people didn't care about Deadpool, the character Ryan Reynolds did, and then sort of was true to the character and then they had huge success with it. So, yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, and you can't obviously pay your light bill with passion. So, I mean, there is, you, you do have to have an element of marketability and stuff, but I, I think that, I don't know. I get so tired of like derivative shit. Like, I mean, this, like nobody, I mean, your, your stuff is so out there you know what i mean like there's nothing like that you know what i mean like mm -hmm. and that's that's what's cool like you know like i always like so many wrestlers have derivative gimmicks you know and then you'll see something like orange cassidy that's completely different from anything that's ever existed and that's the stuff i love or Danhausen or whatever like yeah. i fall in love with that stuff and not just oh i'm doing my version of jake the snake roberts or i'm doing my version of eddie guerrero or whatever yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like when somebody just does something i mean because everybody's inspired by something you know, right. I say Nakamura was Michael Jackson inspired and Velveteen Dream was in Prince cosplay. 
you know what I mean? There's a difference. So like, I don't know. Like, I think that, you know, keeping the inspiration level up and, you know, that's what you get when you do your own stuff. You get that creator's voice for better or worse. Yeah. You know? Right. Did you see Malignant? I have, I did not. No, I did not. I mean, like, so James Wan made that and like, he obviously is famous and like could make the things that he wants to make. And there's part, there's a, the, the end of that movie just go, takes like a weird batshit turn. And you're like, nobody could get away with that, but that dude, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes it great. Cause you're like, holy shit. Like, and that's what I love. Like, I love, you know, the singer songwriter, the, you know, the, the creator, when you get that person's voice and their, and, and what they intend, you know, and I'm not saying that collaboration doesn't work because collaboration is the best, mm-hmm. but too many cooks, obviously. You know? Spoil the broth. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, totally. You're right. You're right. Well, I just wanted to, to jump back in with that. Uh, so I'm going to hit stop. Again. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.